and welcome to the Managed Tools Members Only Podcast for August 2006. Hi, this is your host, Michael Ozan, and welcome back to Manager Tools. Members-only podcast? What's that? Well, folks, if you're not a registered member on Manager Tools, and I have no idea why you wouldn't be, don't be surprised. Last week, we shared the first part of this series on preparing for your review with all our listeners, and it just wouldn't be fair not to share the second half. So, if you're not a registered member, consider this as a bonus podcast. If you're not registered, the last two podcasts are great examples of what you'll find in the extra podcasts registered members get once a month. So go sign up on the Manager Tools website, www.manager-tools.com. It's easy and it's free. So with that, let's conclude our conversation with Mark on how to prepare for your annual review. I think you'll agree, if you follow these simple steps, you'll be in a position to not only get the best possible review you can this year, but also have all the information you need to improve your performance and your next review over the coming year. So here we go. Okay, so we're on to uh, week two, Yep, which is the job description. Yeah. So in week two, Mike, you're going to make notes based on your job description. And again, we've got a place for that on the form. Um, there are three good reasons for do, to do this. Um, first, it obviously just pays to be thorough. Uh, it, it's technically the baseline for what your job is. And if you don't know what the baseline is and your boss covers it in your review, you're going to feel stupid, and rightfully so. Okay? Um, <clears throat> second, and this is sneaky... <laughs> The company often provides your job description in a packet with the review they give to your boss. Now, maybe you'd probably know that, but some managers forget, or if you're not a manager, you don't know that. Uh, and it's good to know. It's good to have reviewed something that your boss will be reviewing before she writes your review. Yeah, it's good to know what they're thinking about when they're writing it. Yeah, that's yeah, a little part useful. of the point of this, right? And then finally, if it's wrong, you're going to want to change it. Or make some suggestions about how it can be improved. Okay, so what do you do with it? Really, um, there are uh, just a couple of things to do with your job description. And that is, number one, you want to look at key deliverables and metrics. You want to look for what the job description says you're supposed to be doing and make notes on all of that. Um, Sometimes... um, it's close, it's not exactly right, and you're going to need to know how what you're doing now or what you've been doing throughout the year connects to this when you write or, or get your review. If it's not close, you may want to make notes for starting to change it, even though changing your job description is probably, it's a whole nother, that's a whole nother cast. Um, I wouldn't say to my boss if I got a bad review, part of the reason for this is a really bad job description. You should be making the case for how to subtly change it, it without formally changing the form in your end of year review by saying, hey, the job description says X, but I hope you see where I've been working on X prime, which is really what the job description would imply based on the changes in responsibilities and, and, and uh, roles around here in the last couple of years. Yeah, well, if you're doing this, and in, in, if you're in fact doing this, as we suggest in you know week two of this three month process, you have plenty of time to go back and get your job description changed. These things are not immutable. Right, they they can change. Yeah, so. and a lot of people think, well, they are immutable, and some person who is responsible for job descriptions has to approve everything. Not so much. <laughs> um, HR would say, "Wow, really? You have time to do a job description? Wow, that's cool. You want to serve on an HR committee?" <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Thank you, no. Um, Not really. Okay, the second thing you want to do is you want to, as a thought exercise, and this is what you make notes on, you're going to create your job description, prepare your own job description using that creating a job description idea we gave you in the review cast last year. And there were actually five questions we asked you to ask yourself. We'll repeat them here. And they're on the form, by the way, that we're going to prepare for you. The reason the company created this job is number one. Number two, the most important ways a person doing this job should spend their time are... Number three, the two to three most important duties of this job are. Number four, what this job takes to be successful is. And number five, the simplest, easy way to see if this job is being done well is. And, and that just gives you a different way of thinking about your job a little bit more analytically, a little bit more one step removed, rather than thinking about yourself and what you've done, thinking about the job without you in it in an abstract form. And it helps you think, get you thinking big picture about your role and contributions relative to that more abstract job description. You may find that um, you're a little, bit off, a little bit off in terms of where you've been directing your time, and you may need to re-engage on some things that maybe have fallen by the wayside if your boss is going to use your job description, which it's possible he or she is. Yeah. Well, if you ask these questions, it's it's going to re-engage your brain. Whereas if you're reading the that kind of crusty old job description on the the your formal job description, you, your brain's probably going into autopilot at that point. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, in fact, you start reading and yeah, your autopilot's a good way to describe it. You just kind of, yeah, okay, I've seen this before. It's been a while, but I've seen it before. Yeah, it's like driving to work and getting done with your hour commute and having no earthly idea how you got yeah. there. Yeah. Well, you know, your brain is supposed to do that for you. Your brain is saying, okay, I know how to do this. You don't have to think about it. I'll take over. This is, it's like getting dressed in the morning. I know, you know how to do it. You don't even think about getting dressed. It just happens. You don't think about, if you have to think about tying your shoes, you go step by step, it'll take you a lot longer than if you just let your fingers do it automatically. Yeah. So, yeah. And thinking about your job description before you get reviewed on it is a, is not a good place to, to be on autopilot. Yes. So... All right. Okay. Week three, the resume. Yeah, it's an easy week. This is an easy week, Mike, if you've been doing your resume work throughout the year. And we just know that everybody has. They've been. Oh, listeners, I'm sure they are. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm yeah, absolutely. I'd be very surprised if they weren't. Yeah. I'm amazed at how many resumes. I got two this week from people I know saying, hey, would you please look at these? I need to update them. And the last job always looks like crap. Um, sorry. Um, so, look, all you have to do here, though, is capture key accomplishments that you put down on your resume, you put it on paper other than your resume so you can get it off your resume. Basically, you put it on your note-taking form. It's not an exhaustive list. Um, It's just most managers think differently about what they talk to other companies about versus what they'd pitch for a good review. People tend to winnow out or weed out things that might go on their resume. So the resume is just kind of a place to start, but that's fine. We're just gathering data right now. Now look, if you haven't been doing that, it means you've got to, really, we recommend that you wait to do this until after you've gone through this process and mind all the data that you're going to be able to look at in order to bring your resume current. Um, but this would, you re- would you recommend them leaving their, this, this resume on their desk for the next few weeks? Absolutely. Feel totally comfortable. Corporate America, worldwide, it's okay. Put your, leave your resume right yeah. in your desk. It won't bother your boss when she walks. Yeah, make sure you turn it so that people walking in the door can, don't have to read it upside down. Yeah. That's, be very yeah make sure it's very obvious it's a resume. It's one page. <clears throat> um, yeah, good. Good plan. 
gosh, I, you know what? In, in, a, in, in a few years, leaving your resume and your desk will be okay. And we talked about that, actually, that it's still not appropriate. But if you, the way we see resumes is just a way to capture your performance. Um, oh, maybe what we should tell people is, hey, feel free to leave your resume on your desk at any time. And when your boss says, what the heck is your resume doing on your desk? You can say, oh, I'm just preparing for my end of year review. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, that's the manager tools answer. Um, okay. So that's week three, doing your resume. If you've already been doing it, it's easy to capture that stuff that you've been adding for the course of the year for your present job. If, in fact, you haven't been doing it, then then you get a pass for this and you have to redo that at the end of the year. Okay. Week four, boss one-on-ones, which I'm sure everybody is fortunate enough to have a boss that's doing one-on-ones yeah. with them. We actually had a spate there for a while in the discussion forums, Mike, where people are saying, Mark, please tell me how to get my entire organization to do this. And hopefully one of the themes that came through over and over again was, I said, look, you really can't make your company do this stuff just because all of a sudden you've discovered the right way to manage. <laughs> um, no offense, but it's just the best way to influence up is to use these things, quietly go about doing your job way better and to have people say, what changed you? And say, well, actually, I, I do these one-on-ones and coaching and feedback and i've learned how to present and so on i use manager tools and i'd suggest you try it and see if it works for you and you know you start getting promoted one way to influence up the organization is to get promoted a couple of times um by doing your job better um yeah and this stuff is not all theoretical right this this we talk about this stuff because it works yeah people have gotten promotions because they they write us and tell us that manager tools help them get the promotion and it's effective. So, so given that it works and it is effective, if you do it properly, um, people will notice. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. We've, you know, like you just said, we, we've had we've had several listeners call us, write us, and tell us that they got promoted as a result of doing this stuff. That their bosses noticed, their their subordinates said, "Man, last couple of months you've just been Quite good, an incredibly more effective manager. How is that? Well, this, this stuff works. So, anyways, off the soapbox." It's exciting. Uh, I'm I'm thrilled that people are using this stuff in the way we intend it, um, which is use this stuff and be more effective because of it. And if you get promoted, send us a part of your your uh, promotion increase. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, who said we don't have a revenue model? Okay, so week four, boss one on ones. That's assuming that you're lucky enough to have a boss that does one on ones with you, right? Yep, that'd be good. Um, we're going to look for two things, and we're going to make notes on two things from all of your paper one-on-one forms. And by the way, this is a reminder, Mike, I think. Now, I'm sure there are people who will tell me, no, Mark, it's much easier doing the technology using a tablet PC or typing them up or whatever. But I really think that scanning them this way is easier on paper to go through what amounts to, what, 20 weeks or 25 weeks of one-on-ones. Um, if your boss does them weekly, I, I really think it's much easier to go over your notes from one-on-ones this way. Uh, if somebody has a different opinion, fine. Um, but I think looking at them manually is much faster. Um, you want to look for two things, accomplishments and issues. Accomplishments, just because, you know, um, it's not as if your one-on-ones are nothing but your successes, but still, they're going to point you toward any projects you may have forgotten about, small wins you had along the way. Um, and, and again, hopefully this will make you want to keep better notes because there will be a few things that remind you that, hey, and that brings up something else that I don't even have written down that we talked about. Um, so always better to take good detailed notes in your one-on-one. Um, and then secondly, issues. You want to look over six to nine months of notes and, and hopefully you're going to see themes in what your boss talks about. 
If there are themes, either about you or your team or your projects or your boss's pet peeves, expect to hear about them again at the end of your review. Take notes on them. Even if you can't combat them, Mike, um, you know, if she, look, if your boss says, I require everybody's desk to be spotless. I'm in trouble there. (laughs) um, You you, you can be thinking about how to address them and maybe re-engage on it with your team so that at least you're making strides in that direction, whereas all your other peers won't, you know, they'll have forgotten about it, said, ah, the boss isn't going to care about that. That's not that big a deal. Um, Sometimes it's doing everything 1% better that gets you the top nod rather than hitting a home run in your top area. Right. Uh, and again, you want to be able to talk about all the things you've done well at the end of year. Yep. And here's the, it, we, we've had many uh, of our listeners ask about how, how do they get their boss to do one-on-ones. And of course, we've always said that, you know, you can't do that. You just focus on doing them. It's just hard. Know, be yeah. effective and people will notice. And, you know, that's how you change things. But but here's the but yeah. here's the downside, which is if they're doing one on ones, just like you're doing one on ones with your folks, um, they're going to have a record, a written record of your performance and the goals and objectives and that coaching and all there that over the course of the last year. And so it'd be it'd be a really good idea, given that they have that much more detailed information, that you review it and and go through it and at least refresh yourself as to what you've committed yeah. to do. Uh, you know, I just thought about it, Mike, but but insofar as these folks who are listening are doing one-on-ones with their teams, and they're probably thinking, I've got to keep good detailed notes, and if my team doesn't, that's okay. If they feel like it's their meeting and they need to take good notes, but they don't approach it that way with their boss, gosh, you're right. You just pointed out that maybe they've got pretty light notes, and, and, um, and their boss, as it relates to them and their team, their boss could have better notes and more data for the annual review than than the manager tools manager does. So, yeah, good point. Good point. All right. Week five, team one-on-ones. Now, what's, how, how, does, how does that affect uh, your own personal review? Yeah, uh, I, I hope this one is, like, so obvious. Uh, um, remember, you're the manager of your team. What your team, you get credit for what your team does, and... What they don't do, obviously, but it's not just about you if you're a manager. It's also about everything your team did because you're not supposed to only be reporting on what you personally did, but on what your team accomplished. And generally, you're going to make notes about three things, your direct successes, your direct failures, and again, projects, just gathering data. In terms of successes, you're not just responsible for your team when they fail, you're just in terms of getting in trouble for them. But when they succeed, if someone on your team did well, that reflects, maybe only lightly, but that's okay, it reflects on you. Write it down. Um, You may just be surprised at how much your team and you did at the end of the year or, you know, in this middle of the year review. Um, You also want to go over failures, things you talked about with your team, not because you want to bring them up in your review. Hold on one second, Mark. Before you do that, let me me go back to direct successes because I think there's something worthy of note here is I I think a lot of managers... there is such a um, overwhelming feeling sometimes about the individual who claims credit for their subordinate successes. And the feeling is that, that most people feel that, that is a uh, bad thing to do. <clears throat> and yes. So right. when it comes down to reviews, though, I just caution people about going too far. You have an influence on your organization. If your subordinates are successful, then you are successful. And so during right. a review is not the time to... To, to, to slight that. To be worried. In other words, it's not the time to be worried that you're going to be taking credit for somebody else's work. You're going to use the word we, perhaps, 
but you're not going to be stealing their yes. thunder and yes. presenting it as yes. your own work. Yes. Yes, exactly right. Yeah. It's okay to talk about what your directs did. Um, because you, in the same way that you roll up to your boss and he or she is going to be taking credit, not taking credit, but getting essentially getting rewarded for the fact that the organization did what it's supposed to do. Yeah. So good. I'm, you know, I'm glad you said that because you're right. That is a huge concern that people have among managers who are unethically, basically taking somebody's work and then positioning it as them and then calling it I, 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 I. Yeah, use we. But good point. The, the fact is you are responsible and you deserve some of the credit for what your organization does. That. That's that's right. your role as a manager. So, good, good. Okay, directs failures as well. Um, m- maybe maybe um, it, it shows up in your one on ones with your boss. But but just in case, make notes about coaching and feedback that you've given your team about stuff they haven't done well. You want to be ready to talk about failures, so you want to have them in, in the back of your mind if your boss brings them up. And the key is, if you think about them now, you'll know you'll be you'll be able to talk to him or her about how you overcame or made up for them later in the year. That's another another reason why we want to. There's value in starting this process early, as opposed to doing it in the "Oops, it's Thanksgiving. I better write my review mode." Right. And and then lastly, projects. Bosses love asking about a project that was left dangling in May, when it's December. Um, capture what your team has been working on, even if it doesn't seem to have been finished in some way, and either finish it or start thinking about what to do to overcome the fact that you won't have it done at the end of the year because it was canceled or it was put on hold or the customer put it on hold or whatever, rather than you kind of looking like a deer in the headlights and they say, well, gee, we did have seven projects we're going to work on this year and three of them just seem to die in May and June. Why is that? Well, there were good reasons for that. And if your boss thinks about it, now your boss has 10 people reporting to her. She can't know every single project and all the details. You need to be able to help her. So actually, the customer put that on hold. And, and this one, we lost funding because we had budget cuts in the second quarter. You need to be able to talk about those kind of yeah. things. Let me add one under team one-on-ones, particularly under projects, is um, I'd encourage folks to think about development of their people as projects as well. And in, I know in my experience, oh. nothing ever impressed me more than during review or preparation for review. Um, where somebody was sharing with me how they developed their people. So if you, when you're reviewing team one-on-ones, that's the time to, to get that in your mind and, and uh, make sure your boss is aware of what kind of personal development stuff you're doing. Perfect. Gosh, that's so perfect. I, I wish I'd have thought of it. Well said. Okay, week six. It's time to look at reports. Um, look, lots of bosses keep refor- report files from the directs. I do. Um, you now know this, and so you should be able to find any operational, personnel, budgeting, or financial reports that reflect on you or your team for the year. Whatever goes up weekly, monthly, quarterly, whatever. Do not underestimate this step just because it's right after one-on-ones and we're going to be talking about emails. Budgets alone can kill you. You need to be able to have a detailed discussion about your monthly budgeting and its effect on on end of year costs and benefits and cost analysis and right. so it's on. It's not coincidental You're, that uh, sometimes reviews are at the same <laughs> happen at the same time where you're going through budgets. And so if you haven't if you have a problem here, um, it's going to be it's going to that problem is going to become very public at the same time people are thinking about your review. So. Pay yep. attention. Bingo. 
And look, you're often so far down in the weeds that you need to look at the reports in this way halfway through the year to see what the boss is seeing sort of systemically or systematically about you and your team. And if you're smart, you're going to get your hands on your peers' reports that are similar to yours so that you can compare. I mean, you know, you may not know how much better or worse you're doing than anybody else, even though probably around the water cooler you get some sense of that. And if you don't know where they are, we have a little hint for you. Your boss's admin has all of them. <laughs> and if you're really smart, next year you're going to keep all of your peers' reports that you normally throw away. Um, and if you have an admin, you're going to hand them to him or her and say, look, keep a file on all my peers or monthly reports and keep a, a monthly file so we can look at all these these reports when we get ready for the end of year review. Oh, you're such a sneaky guy. <laughs> yeah. It's almost as if all this stuff fits together. Like we actually have been thinking about it and working with it for years and years and years. <laughs> yeah. Nah, probably not. <laughs> I'm, I'm just thrilled to be able to share it to a lot yeah, of that's audience. Cool. I think it's just great. Um, Again, you know, we're we're not we are looking for successes and failures where you met your goal and where you didn't. But but uh, um we're not suggesting that it's only that. You want to be looking for how you're going to be communicating, how you're going to be talking about all this stuff in your review and you're going to be writing some notes down so when it comes time to do it you're going to be steeped in this stuff. Um but I will tell you this, Mike, and we're in week six now, um, a little caveat. At this point, many folks who are listening who are going to be doing this are going to be thinking about quitting the process. Uh, it'll be because you, you've got a mass of data in front of you telling you about a bunch of stuff you haven't done that you said you were going to do and all the metrics that you've been letting yourself off the hook for throughout the year because things change and stuff moves too fast. And I can't believe that's still a priority because now the boss is saying, I know that's a priority, but it doesn't matter. You've got to get this done now. They want it next week. They want it Tuesday. You've got to do an all-nighter to put this PowerPoint presentation together. And my thought on that is simply this. That was probably true last year, too. You just didn't do a mid-year review or a, you know, an August review of your work. It's better to know what you're weak on or where you're a little bit behind now than to have your boss tell you about it in December or in January. So it, it may be a little bit disheartening, but, it, but if, it, if this year is like any of the others, you're going to be let off the hook anyway at the end of the year. You want to be able to talk about what you were successful on, and if you don't go through this process, you won't be ready to yeah. do that. And it's not the focus here. The, the, the huge advantage of this that we're really not going to get into in a lot of detail, this serves as the basis for improving your performance next year. Um, yeah. But in the future. And you could cheat a little bit and start now and improve, you know, and, and, and sort of sweep up some loose ends before the end of the year this year yep. as well. Yep. Okay, week seven. Documents created. Uh, I love this one. Uh, a friend of mine in sales showed me this. Um, he, he had a new boss, and he his boss spent the whole year asking him for new reports, written documentation, written training guides for new representatives that this friend of mine was training. He did this to show his boss that, yes, he had told him to do all this stuff, and here's the written proof. Uh, salespeople and sales managers tend to have short memories when it comes to everything except clients. Um, I didn't ask you to do that, did I? Yes, you did. And here's the document that I had to create late one night and over the weekend in order to train this rep so that we wouldn't have to reinvent the wheel next year. Um, and and, and it basically what it did was it got me to thinking about either, one, you can do this one of two ways, searching on your computer um, and there's, you know, you can use a you can use a search function. I happen to love Google Desktop, but you don't have to use that. You could simply in Windows Explorer, you could you could uh, organize a folder by date created, or do a search using Windows 
search function, which is horribly kludgy, but you could do it, and, and asking it for every document that was created in the calendar year thus far that you're doing. And you'll want to do this again toward the end of the year, although usually when you're, as you're going through this process, the stuff that happens along the way, you're going to be making notes um, on things that you're doing later on in the year that are actually quite, they're current because you're working on them at the time. Um, and, and I was amazed at stuff that I found on my computer when I did this a couple of times. All the stuff you've forgotten that you worked on. And you might want credit for some of it. And sometimes it doesn't make the one-on-one. It doesn't make um, anything else. And there's a document that you spent a weekend preparing or a slideshow that you did for your boss while she was out on vacation or at a conference or whatever. It, it, it won't hurt you to print them out if you think it's necessary. Um, or you can just make some notes in the form that we provide about what successes they point to or what work you did that was helpful to somebody else in terms of team building or supporting your boss or supporting an initiative in the corporation or what have you. A lot of times it ends up being stuff that's not related to the chain of command, but it's something that managers are expected to do, serving on committees, things like that. Yep. And one additional point on the document stuff, just take the extra step. Um, you deliver the document, but think, think the next step, which is what effect did it have on the organization? What were the results to the organization? You'll certainly want to be able to put it in that context versus yeah. I created yeah, you, a document. Yeah, you're not saying I typed, yeah, you're not saying I typed 55 <clears throat> pages for right. you. You're actually, yeah, you want to talk about value creation. Good. Thank you, Mike. Yeah, that's good. Um, weeks eight and nine, or weeks eight, nine, and 10, we get to the fun one, which is emails. Um, and, and, you know, to tell you the truth, even though this is probably the best repository of data and reminders of all kinds of stuff you've already forgotten, it probably get a little bit boring. Um, but you're going to get some surprises. There's no question. If you go through a year's or nine months worth of emails, you're going to be like, oh, my gosh, that's <laughs> right. That fire came up in February, and it took me three weeks to fight that fire. I had completely forgotten about it because, of course, your memory is kind to you, right. and it washes away the really, really bad things that have happened in your past. It buries them in your subconscious. Well, I think most of our listeners uh, probably agree. Um, we, we try to help them get out of this, but a lot of your time as a manager is spent in firefighting mode. And those those oh. are things that are not reflected in your job description, in objectives. Though, there, there's no other documentation of it other than email in general. Um, so yes, given that you're spending I, a I lot of your time agree. doing it, you might as well might as well call it out and and um, make sure you're getting credit for it. And if you find three or four of these things that took a significant amount of your time, let that be a lesson to you next year. Is there a way to say no or be a little bit more proactive about those things? Maybe there's a theme associated with all the big fires, or uh, and you can build in some proactivity, some managerial boring routineness, so that you reduce the number of fires you fight. Unfortunately, a lot of companies say, boy, that guy, Ozan, he's awesome. He's always just putting out fires left and right. He's a great manager. Whereas, you know... Martin over here, you know, she's great, but eh, she doesn't seem to be as energetic or as excited about Ozan. Well, that's just because she does her job day after day, blocking and tackling one-on-ones, coaching and feedback, and everything runs smooth in her shop. Nobody ever has to pay attention. It's just boring. Um, and a lot of work gets yeah. done. Yeah, and not, not to repeat myself 10,000 times, but this is the basis of future improvement. This, You go through this process, yes. you'll have a better review. You'll have done your own review, and you'll have a better sense of where you are, what you've done, your accomplishments, your weaknesses, and what you need to focus on next year than you would ever get from simply getting a review from your boss. No doubt about Bingo. it. Bingo. Okay. The way to do it is to sort your emails by person. 
It's important to do that by person in whatever folder you're looking at and go through them chronologically from January or whatever your start of your review year is and up until make them current. Um, if you go through by date, there are too many, th we find that there are too many threads to kind of keep track of, Mike. At least this has been my experience working with some managers that I've done this with. Um, and you get going too fast and you kind of forget to write down all the threads and then you have to connect things later. You have to keep going back and looking at who the email was from. We find that if we do it by person chronologically, the threads appear a little bit more naturally. Now, I, I even take it a step further and I make copies of all the mails that I've sent to folks that I'm searching on one at a time and I put my mails to them in one folder and since then I sort them by date within that person's folder and that way I can follow the, thread, the threads between me and them um, that I'm coming up with. Now, now look, you may choose to do it differently um, but most managers I know do it, do it one person at a time rather than focusing on, again, the chronology, strictly a chronology and putting everybody in the same box. Um, another thing it does, Mike, is it helps identify team member successes. And, and, and that's a chance for you to go back and write down in that portion of the, when we're talking about one-on-ones, write down the team member successes and transfer them again to that, that point we talked about earlier. And then a little hint about one email is to, to don't forget to sort for peer emails, customer internal or external customer emails, and also projects. If you can identify projects in some fashion, the way you handle email, even better. So you can look for ups and downs in the projects along the way. Okay. Very powerful. You're going to see you're going to see little things that you had forgotten along the way. Maybe maybe only one or two that are going to be big enough to make it make it into the review that you're going to write. But at least you'll know completely. You'll have a complete picture of what you've done through the course of the year. Email is an absolutely great repository of all the stuff you've been working on throughout. Yeah, the year. I, I I could guarantee that if somebody did this, they would they would absolutely find at least half a dozen accomplishments that they would have otherwise completely forgot about. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. And, and they're probably thinking to themselves, well, they must not have been that important because they didn't think about them. Well, it depends. Are they important to you? Are they important to the boss? Could it be that four or five additional accomplishments make your boss realize, wow, you really had a great year? Yeah. You don't want to go in. It's like going in with a revolver that should have six bullets in it and you only have three. You know, if, if you could have six, wouldn't you want to have six? Yes, you would. Yeah. Excellent. Okay. Okay. Weeks 11 and 12. That, yeah. Write and prepare your that, review packet. And now we're getting to the good part. Yeah, the good part or the hard part. Um, there's no easy way around the writing part. But imagine doing this step, Mike, if you haven't gone through the first 10 weeks that we've just walked everybody through. Mm. No. Right? And, and, then, and then I say, okay, wait, I'm betting, okay, we just said it's hard, but I'm still guessing that everybody's going to hold our feet to the fire and say, no, I want you to tell me, how do I write my own review, Right. That's what people are really don't don't let me don't, don't let yourself off the hook, Mike. Don't let yourself off the hook, Mark. You know, okay. Tell us how to write the review. It's easy. Well, heck, it, it's easy. Just go back to last year's cast on how to write somebody else's review. You've got all the data you need. All you're doing is writing your own. It's not hard at all. Remember the SEER method: summary, uh, example, elaboration, uh, and then uh, result, or the SUMEX. Method, which is uh, summary and then example. Yeah, that those are parts of writing the review that we shared with you last year in the four-part review cast. All you need to do is review that, 
And you're in great shape. Yeah, we'll, we'll be able to now, figure out how um, whether or not people are listening to this or not because we'll see an uptick in the update. downloads of <laughs> last year's shows. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, there is one caveat. I generally don't recommend, Mike, that you, you try to figure out what your core message is for your review. If you're thinking your boss may have one for you, certainly if, if she's a manager tools manager, by all means, think about that and be ready to support or refute it if, if there's a concern for you. But I wouldn't try to write one. Unless, and the reason for that is you're, you're probably not going to influence your boss's ability to come up with a core message unless you hit a home run with your number one most important project or metrics. In that case, fine. Talk about that. Make that a core message. Otherwise, write it without that. Allow, allow all the data that you're going to deluge your boss with and the detail you're going to provide them. Allow that to cause them to influence their message in a way that ends up being positive for you. Then, after you've written it, add any documentation that really stands out to you as an addendum. A couple extra documents, maybe four or five, maybe ten if you feel like they're that important. To make it easy for your boss to review it and not have to go find it, which he may not have spent the time doing. Um... And if you've gotten done in time, hand it to your boss within 24 hours after you've heard that he or she has gotten a reminder to do all of their reviews or just a reminder to do yours if they're scattered throughout the year. Imagine that. Hey, I heard that you're going to get ready to do my review. Here, here's my packet on the year. Watch your boss's mouth just fall open. Here's somebody who knows how to manage themselves. Here is a professional. Right. And you just taking 20 pounds off their shoulders. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And you're going to get you're going to get the benefit of the doubt on every close call that, that's going to happen. You're going to have a significantly better review because you spent six hours on this over the course of three months. Yep. Yeah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> now, final final point. We promised everybody a resume bonus uh, at the end of this cast, Mike. And we may have already given this away. Um, now that you're done with your review, if you haven't done your little bit of work each quarter on your resume, now is the time. Take all of your notes about the entire year and that review you just wrote and update your resume in your most current job. Now, your resume is current. Yeah. And that may be a good thing if your review goes badly. <laughs> no, Way to end it, my friend. <laughs> no, I know that sounds terrible. No, that's just a, it's a little bony. I know that people tend to push the stuff that they, for themselves, they tend to put that on the back burner. And this is a chance to make it easy. You've got all the data right in front of you. It'll take an extra half an hour. You'll be basking in the success of your boss going, wow, thanks a lot. And you'll make your resume look really, really good. And then you can not worry about it for a quarter until March of next year. Yeah. Good. All right, man, this is fantastic stuff. We'll ha we have a bunch of stuff we're going to put up on the website in terms of forms and transcripts yeah. and all that that will make this um, very, very easy to, uh, not easy to implement. It will, it will, um, you won't have to have taken a lot of notes during this podcast, and that's a good right. thing. Because there's a lot yeah, of stuff Yeah, it'll here. be turnkey. You'll take that form that we've got, and it'll, it'll remind you of the steps, and then and you've got the PowerPoint as well. Um, no brainer. Right. And of course, you'll hold on to it till next year. You'll have gone through it once, and next year will be even easier. So, even easier. So, you'll start it in September, and it'll be smooth as silk. And people will say to you, How do you do that? Oh, manager tools. And now, and now we've got a process on how we're going to prepare for our reviews every year for the rest of our careers. Yep. There you go. Excellent. Thanks. Thanks, Mike. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon. So, folks, that's it. Hope you enjoyed that. And even more, I hope you put it to good use. If you haven't been to discussion forums lately, I think you'll want to do so. 
app.manager-tools.com slash forums. A lot of great stuff going on there. And as always, we appreciate everybody who's choosing to participate there. Lots of great information. And Mark and I are learning quite a bit from everybody. So until next time, so long, folks. <laughs>